Welcome to Go and Make from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, equipping you to live the great commission of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. Welcome back to Go and Make. I am here, your host, Brian Miller. Excited to be back with you for another week. And this week we're talking about missionary zeal. And uh, it's a really important topic. It's something Pope Francis has been talking about a lot in his Wednesday audiences at the Vatican. And uh, it's, it's really an inspiring topic of, it's really, it's really what we're all about on the Go and Make podcast. It's the topic of why do we go out and do what we do in evangelization? Why is evangelization important? And it's not simply because we want to get our mass attendance numbers up or we want to, you know, protect against all the bad things that can happen if people don't come to church at the church, but we're going to, we're going to do it for the sake of people's souls. So I am so excited about this topic and I'm really excited to welcome our guest for the week. We are here with Sean Feltz. Sean, welcome to the Go and Make podcast. Thanks, Brian. I am stoked to be here. Yeah. This is really exciting. Yeah. So Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are a youth minister. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, I'm the youth minister at St. Joseph Parish in Imperial. Um, my official title is actually Director of Apostolic Mission. So That's a um, fancier way of saying youth ministry. Very fancy no. way. <laughs> With a special emphasis in young people, but a actually special emphasis in youth ministry, yeah. more so than just that. I mean, you're really yeah. helping the parish develop a vision for what that kind of mission is. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? Yep, that's a lot of what the role is. So, yeah, no, it's it's been great. I've been in that role. That's a pretty new role for me, um, but I've been at the parish for about two and a half years almost now. Uh, and it's been a real blessing. It's been a real gift. All so. Right, well, so we're going to get into the missionary zeal conversation, what that looks like in our own lives and break it open. And, and, and the goal is to have a little bit of fun today too, because I know, yeah. you know, <laughs> we never have any fun on the no podcast. Fun. We don't no like to laugh allowed. very much. Um, but really, especially when you work with people who do youth ministry and that's kind of all goofy. my background too, <laughs> right? Came up through youth ministry at Assumption Life Team South County. Mm-hmm. And have been involved in youth ministry for my entire life, basically, yeah. like giving back. And my wife and I do it at St. Justin Martyr now. And But, I mean, youth ministry is really marked by joy, I think, a lot of times. It has and, to be. And it's marked by missionary zeal of, of really wanting kids to come and meet and encounter Jesus. So so our goal today is to laugh a little bit and have some fun, too. So it's not oh. one of those stuffy go-and-make podcasts yeah. that I like to usually record. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I know how you're normally so boring. I know. That's and, right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but today we're going to have fun. We're going to have some fun. Have so uh, but fun. first, you know, the thing we like to ask everyone who comes on the show, for the most part, is just tell us about your faith story. How did you come to know and love Jesus to such a point that you wanted to give your life to him working in the church? Yeah, totally. Wow, that's a beautiful question. Um, yeah, so I was cradle Catholic, born and raised. That's um, how a lot of those stories start. That's, that's how it know? starts. It's okay, that's right. it's okay it's, if it starts that way. It's going to have all the cliches. Don't there even worry. Oh, perfect. Yes, yes. That's, that's kind of my thing. I'm a very cliche person. No. Uh, <laughs> but so I'm born and raised, cradle Catholic, um, great family, love my parents. Um, and yeah, somewhere around uh, fifth and sixth grade, though, um, as many are trending this way. Like this is sort of how the stats are going for young people, especially. Um, for me, it was right around fifth grade. I started to really have a lot of questions, particularly like what we would call the problem of pain. You know, what's going on? If, if God's so good, um, how come there's so much evil in the world? How come there's so much pain? It sounds like a whole podcast topic. I know. Right there, I'll have to know? come back. Yeah, yeah right. let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I started to have a real issue with that. Um, and I was really hurting. I was really hurting. I was watching my grandmother, who I really loved and spent a lot of time with growing up, um, forget everything. She was diagnosed with dementia. She forgot who all of us were. Um, she forgot 
who her own husband was. She forgot how to eat and how to breathe and all these things, right? Um, it got really bad. And so I was watching that for about three years. My mom uh, quit her job and was the full-time kind of caretaker out there. Um, and which was beautiful, which you is, know? Yeah. yeah, like a great witness. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And my mom taught me so much about love there, both my parents too, because my dad was making a lot of sacrifices for that as well. Um, yeah, and so I, whenever I wasn't in school, I was out there as well. And so I was witnessing a lot of this, and it really hurt. Um, and so, yeah, I had these intellectual questions, but on a deeper level, I was also just really hurting. Um, so I made this choice in um, about sixth grade where I said, you know, there was a point where I learned, I'm so sorry about this, that Santa Claus wasn't real, right? There's yeah, a, if you're listening with your kids in the car, I'm my sorry. goodness. Yeah, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Please don't it's do that. Okay. <laughs> oh my it's gosh, okay. did I ruin lives just now? I don't know. Um, you know, there's a point I learned the Tooth Fairy wasn't real, the point, you know, all this. Um, and so, okay, I guess God's just another one of those, right? Um, and I, I wasn't, like, too upset about it, really. But I grew up in a place where it was also there was a big part of just sort of saving face, you know? Um, and so I didn't really tell anybody, nobody knew. Um, I, my friends knew, my close friends knew, but my parents didn't know. My teachers didn't know. The priests didn't know. I was still serving mass. I was still actively participating in our parish activities. I was even all the way up through eighth grade preparing for confirmation. Um, and I think that, that speaks to a deeper reality for, for many, actually, for many of the teens that we work with as well. Um, and adults. And adults. That we and work with. I mean, Pope oh, Benedict yeah. talks about, like, we live in a culture of baptized pagans. Like, we're yeah. sacramentalized, and we can go through all the motions and do all the things, and yeah. we're around church, and sometimes we're even in church, but, like, we don't have the heart, and we haven't really had that, that yeah. real experience of the saving love of Jesus that really spurs, like, internal movement yeah. at those things, not just the external motions. The part that I ended up reading... Eventually, many years later, that made me feel very known and understood was uh, Sherry Bedell's understanding that many were sacramentalized but not evangelized. Um, and that's from Forming Intentional Disciples. So check that book out if you want. Um, yeah, so I was really wrestling with these things, and I was really in a lot of pain. I was at a really dark place in my life. Um, and through a few sort of small moments... Um, my heart started to open just a little bit. So I was forced onto uh, these day retreats that we would do in the school. Um, and I had these brief opportunities where I would start to think for just a second, maybe, um, okay, maybe this is real. Maybe this is worth something, you know, because these people are talking about Jesus and they seem to have a little bit more oomph with them, a little more fire than some of my teachers had. Okay, so maybe there's something there. Um, and then eventually, um, this girl that I grew up with, that was a close family friend um, and kind of like a sister to me, forced me to go on our Luke 18 retreat, which is a very common retreat in St. Louis, especially um, for eighth graders preparing for confirmation. Um, the verse it's based on is, let the little children come to me, right? So yeah. the parish is trying to foster a space where the children can come to Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite part, too, is actually the second part of that verse. I think it's Luke 18. 16, is that correct? I mean, it's in there somewhere. I think that's correct. Yeah, right. yeah you can fact check me later. Yeah. Um, but the second part being, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I love that part. Um, these little ones. But so anyway, I was kind of forced on this retreat. And I was like, I think that many have this mindset as well. I was very much like, I can make it through. You know, like I can make it through. It's like a Friday through Sunday. I can make it through completely unchanged and just go back and play some video games or whatever I wanted to do at the time. Yeah, right. Um, and that was mostly true. I made it through most of the retreat that way um, until we got to Saturday evening, which is often the get you. high point of <laughs> most right. retreats, right? 
Um, and yeah, as we were, we were sitting there, um, you know, somebody's giving this talk on God's love. Apparently it was a great talk. I wasn't listening. Um, and then the youth minister stood up and his name was Rob. Rob stood up and he said, just very simply, um, to preface adoration, he just said, you know, we're about to go into a time of adoration. Um, and he was a Latin scholar. He loved Latin. So he said, um, you know, many of you may have been to adoration before, but some of you probably have not. Um, what's, what's about to happen is the same Jesus that we receive in the Eucharist at mass is going to be contained in this gold thing called a monstrance. And he said, monstrance comes from the Latin word monstrare, which means to show or to display. Um, and he said, now the easy understanding here is that during this time, Jesus is going to be on show for you. The better understanding, the one that I want to give you as we go into this time of prayer, is that as we kneel here, our hearts are on show before him. Oh, wow. And flipped it around. Flipped completely. it around. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing left unseen, unknown, or unloved. And that floored me. That was all he said. That was it. Like almost word for word. I'll never forget that. I was floored. Um, and Romans ten seventeen says faith comes from what is heard, right? Like that was what I heard, right? That what was about to happen was I was about to come face to face with the God of the universe <laughs> and not just some God that was disinterested or far off, right? But a God that wanted to draw near and that saw me, that knew me and that loved me. And even still today, a God that sees me, that knows me, that loves me, um, that I can't hide from and that I don't want to hide from. Something changed right there, and I had this opportunity to sit with that for just a few seconds as the priest got ready to expose Jesus. And I sat there, and I, I prayed an honest prayer for the first time in my life, I think. And I just said, okay, Jesus, you know I don't think you're real. <laughs> but, but Spoiler alert, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Don't know if you missed that one, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but if that's really you. Um, then I always a dangerous prayer. Yeah, like, if, and you're not the only one to make if, that right. If yeah. that's you, if right. that's you, um, then I really need you to show me something. Like if all these stories that I've been told, if, if that's really true, then you can take my life. You can change it forever, but make sure I always know that that's really you. Um, it was a powerful moment and the silence was like palpable for just a moment. And then adoration began and, um, there was some praise and worship music going at the time. Um, and the first song that was played during adoration was Come As You Are by David Crowder. Um, and so I heard these words, and it was as if the Lord was comforting me and drawing me in. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel, because earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And it just, it washed over me, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all real. You know, and so I'm like crying in the yeah, back of this church absolutely. and, you know, like just weeping uh, <laughs> with joy that it's true, with joy that he loves me, with uh, tears of repentance for how I'd been living, like all of this. Um, and I think from that, not to like, I, I feel like it's kind of sappy to just be like, and then everything changed. But and it, it did. was perfect. Yeah. Life was everything great. Everything was perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. No, we can't leave it there. That's not true. And things were rocky after that. But after that retreat, I just wanted to know everything I possibly could. Yeah, just a conviction. Like, a, you know, again, yeah. Pope Benedict talks about like an encounter with Christ is an encounter with an event, a person. Yeah. That gives and it life gives life a, life a new, new direction. decisive direction. Yeah. A new horizon. A new horizon. Right. Yep. And, uh. That's what it is. It's not that like there's not bumps on that journey of the new direction. Yeah. But when you meet Jesus and you decide to follow him, 
Yeah. Your eyes are just fixed differently. And, you know, you, you know, there are, there are lots of, I have a million questions, but I know there are answers. Yeah. And I actually, I, I don't sleep well until I know them for right. certain things too. Exactly. And I, and I love that the lyrics to that song that you shared, I mean, you know, beautiful song, look it up. Yeah. Um, maybe we could have you sing it for us later. You're also a musician, <laughs> right? You know, maybe uh, someday, singer, know. You know. um, <laughs> yeah. but that in some ways too, that's almost a response to what your crisis of faith was earlier. Absolutely. Like, so seeing the pain and the suffering and the sadness that almost seemed unjust or unhealable or yeah. un- unredeemable in right. your mind as a sixth grader that you started to see and, and doubt. Yeah. Like, it's just this overwhelming message that like, I've redeemed suffering. I've redeemed sadness. Absolutely. And I am the cure yeah. for that problem of evil. Yeah. And it wasn't like all of a sudden I had nothing to be sad about, right? But it made sense now. There was a place where I could turn and and receive the mercy that I so desperately needed and receive the consolation that I needed in those times. There's a place where suffering was redeemed, you know? Um, and right, so the the intellectual questions that I had weren't answered then, right? I had this encounter that gave life a new direction, but the questions weren't all answered. And so I, I turned to um, this book that a teacher had referenced several times in class. I had a really good eighth grade theology teacher who referenced the catechism all the time. And so I didn't know anything that she had said. I hadn't been paying that much attention. Um, sorry if you're listening. Do you want to give her a shout out? Uh, yeah, Mrs. Petcher, Jen Petcher. She's great. Um, but so she had referenced the catechism several times in class. And I didn't even know if I could find one. But I went um, <laughs> to the downstairs bookshelf in my parents' house. I was like, surely there's one on here. You know, they have everything. I mean, all the cool bookshelves have catechisms. And that's there's right. one right that's there right. on We've our, got little, one in here. our bookshelf. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. So you should get a catechism if you That's don't right. have one. Yeah. So Read you went it. and found it. I went and found it and I just started reading and I just didn't stop. <laughs> mm. And so it was really funny because I had heard of people like marking up their Bibles and stuff. I started marking up the catechism. I was like, I just love this thing. And I was just in eighth grade. In, yeah. Right after. Right. And I was just yeah. eating it up. Yeah. I was like, I need to know everything. <laughs> um, and I don't. And, you know, I've forgotten most of that. <laughs> I try to remember. But um, yeah, there was this impulse of like, now I need to know. Okay, I've had this encounter, and now I need to know. I need, I need to learn. And so I think, you know, we talk about these different th- sort of thresholds of conversion and stuff. We talk about conversion of heart, which I think we could say began that night in the back of that church, the back of that dark church, um, and then the conversion of mind, which needed to take place as well, um, both taking place over time, right? But there was a desire for both. There's a there's a great little resource that we wrote here at the Archdiocese called Preparing for Mission. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. It was Big a good, fan. good team effort, right? Yeah. And uh, but the, like the categories in that, right? It's new hearts, mm-hmm. new minds, and then new to, to, to go forth, we need new methods. We got to right. try things that we've never done before. Yeah, got to get creative. It, yeah, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what you're saying. It's like we need and and in new hearts, we first need to have a heart for God. Right. And until we have a heart for God then we can't go be evangelists. Right. And again, this is where evangelization is not simply a mass attendance program. Right. That, that increased mass attendance is a fruit of people who love Jesus mm-hmm. and understand what it means to be in communion with him, which, which some of that is new mind as well, right? Like we have to yeah. inform our minds of what the demands of the gospel are, of, of what the covenant of God and his people are and how we live that and respond to it and our obligation to go to mass, but also then what we get out of mass and the fruit that sends us forth to go forth and be on mission. Yeah. So until we have that heart for God, 
uh, we can't actually evangelize. We might, we might try and do programs. We might try and do things that make us look good and increase our school attendance and mass attendance and our giving on Sundays and right. make sure our fish fry has, uh, <laughs> in, you know, increased, uh, ex- uh expedited service right. and faster than chick DoorDash to your fish fry, you know, yeah. or whatever, like fry. all those things are good. We should grow all or those things. Fry. We need to do all that too. Yeah. But it's hollow. Yeah. If it's not started with a heart for God, a deeper conversion in our lives. So, I mean, again, the first thing you want to do, if you want to be a disciple maker is, is pray. Yeah. It always starts in prayer. It has to be received first. I I think, you know, to point out, um, part of my story, like I was, I was still going to mass, you know, um, I was still present. I was still there. And so the mass attendance thing, the butts and seats thing just doesn't work. You know, uh, it's not to say that it shouldn't have worked. I think that people were trying really hard to minister to me. Well, they were trying to preach to me, you know, I was receiving, um, the sacraments very frequently. Um, you know, we were, we went to reconciliation several times a year at our school and, you know, we received, uh, the Eucharist in mass. Right. Um, and I do think that the Lord was working through those yeah, there's things. There's graces in those there's things. There's grace always. You, you weren't disposed to receive them. I was not, I was not prepared to receive them. Um, and so I think that that's the part where we do need these new hearts, um, which I think comes down to, to receiving the love that the Lord has for us first. You know, if evangelization is an effort of love, which it really is, right? It's an effort of love to say, I have encountered something real, something that matters, something that is worth it, and I want to share it with you. Um, okay, it doesn't make sense to do that if I haven't first encountered something real, something good, you know, a place of love. Um, and so I think the, the Lord is constantly reaching out, trying to share that with us. But if we haven't been disposing ourselves to time in prayer, if we haven't been giving the opportunity for him to speak into our hearts, um, then what is there to share? You know, um, in Isaiah, you know, the Lord says, I will replace your heart of stone mm-hmm. and I'll give you my own heart. Yeah. And. Uh, it's it's not so he doesn't just say I'm going to soften your heart and make it more open to receive me right <laughs> right and I know that you're like a wannabe Augustine scholar too right no not a wannabe <laughs> Augustine scholar that might be harsh that's me I'm a wannabe Augustine scholar but like <laughs> yeah, you're, that's, you're that's a fan you. of of Saint Augustine I like him right? yes <laughs> absolutely as we all do as a friend and, and you've studied <laughs> some some Augustine right oh man right um, but he talks about this idea of deification. Right. right. St. Augustine. Yep. And the concept is not that we like just become more in love with God, that it's that we become like God. We become right. God. We actually take on his nature inside of us in some way. Like that's the goal yeah. of what the Christian life is, is to live forever in perfect communion and unity with him. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we settle for less than that. Totally. Right. We settle for a lot less than that. We just settle for like being a fan of God and right. not a real true authentic follower. Right. And, when we have that new heart, when we actually take on God's own heart inside of ourselves, this is where missionary zeal comes from. Totally. Because to come to Christ is to be sent on mission. That if we're taking on that nature of God inside of ourselves, then we can't help but go out and want to give that gift to another. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, in the catechism, I think it's 1127 in the section on the sacraments. Uh, it says, as fire transforms into itself, um, the things that it burns. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Sure. Not that good. I mean, <laughs> gold star if you get it exactly right. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> um, as fire transforms into itself, that which it consumes. So the Holy Spirit transforms into the divine life. Those who receive him, those who receive the, the sacraments, those who receive grace. Right. And so it's, I love that image of 
as the fire transforms into itself the things it consumes, right? It's, it's this fire of God's love that transforms us to be more like him, you know, that makes us um, Christified, to borrow a uh, Bishop Robert Barron phrase, right? Like, you who are Christified, go and Christify others, you know? Go and make disciples. Go like, and make like, disciples. Like you literally, yeah. the, 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 <clears throat> you're not fully a disciple of Jesus Christ until you take on that part of his mission as well. Yeah. And again, when I say that sometimes in parishes, it offends people. You know, <laughs> it's like you're saying I'm a bad Catholic. <clears throat> like, are you, are you telling me if I don't evangelize, I'm a bad Catholic? And the answer right. is yes. You know, and, and so am I <clears throat> sometimes. Not necessarily bad, just not quite I know, there. I know. I, I say that for the shock value, you know, and then I try to clarify. Unfinished. that I'm on right. the road and, and yeah. thank God for the grace of the sacraments and confession for when I fail too. Right, exactly. But if I don't even understand the concept of desiring to evangelize, then I've actually missed the point of the gospel. Totally. Because that's what the whole thing is about, right? right? The whole thing is about bringing people into union with Jesus. And and I think that, like, you know, any serious reading the gospel and and people who want to do that, like, we can get to that agreement. Now, where we tend to have sometimes, occasionally, disagreement in the church Mm -hmm. is what is the best way to do that? (laughs) Absolutely. That as we cast our nets super wide Mm -hmm. to try to bring the gospel to everyone, Mm -hmm. what are the best tactics, approach, strategy? Where do I push? Where do I pull? How, right. You know, as I go to enter into someone else's mess, that makes someone very uncomfortable. But <laughs> and I'm, me, I'm also right? a mess. Yeah, it makes me, me uncomfortable makes to go into that mess sometimes right? too, and <clears throat> and to be in the midst of the world, which is full of sin, right, and despair and sadness, and then sometimes to go evangelize, you have to go into that world with your right. hope, with your hopefully your heart of God mm-hmm. inside of you that you bring to those situations. And so when we talk about evangelization, it can get a little. Um, Harry sometimes, you know, sure. and there can be disagreements of what the best approach and the way to do that is. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think people disagree that the point of the gospel and the point of not just the four gospels and the new Testament, but like literally the whole gospel story, the whole message of salvation right. from the very beginning, right? God made us for love, for a relationship with him, to walk <clears throat> with him in the garden. And this is the, the kerygma that we talk about, right? right. And then from yep. the very beginning, sin destroyed that relationship. And the entire story of the Old Testament of salvation history is God trying to call man back to him. And every time man takes a couple steps closer, and then he takes 10 steps further away. Right. You know? But God always continues to pursue us. Yeah. And if we're going to evangelize, we're going to understand what that is. We have to be willing to to take those steps and to go out and go with God to pursue people too, right. just like he did and, and pursued us literally in, in the form of, of pouring himself out completely, mm-hmm. even to death on a cross right. for our sake. Yeah. He's always trying to reclaim us, but we have to let him, you know, there's this active receptivity that we have to learn of, okay, Lord, like I'm, I'm here, I'm here and I'm, I'm showing up and I'm willing to receive so what is it that you want to say to me today, right? To go into prayer with that openness and that desire to be with him. Um, yeah, because I think too often we talk about going out on mission totally ill-prepared, right? Now, the other temptation is to say, well, I don't know everything I should know or everything I could know. Stops a lot of people. <clears throat> Stops a lot of people. Yep. Well, the thing is, we're all called to be evangelists. We're not all called to be apologists, right? Yeah, I like to pretend to be smarter than I am. <laughs> so I, I, but even I, like if I were to go out and get into an uh, like apologetic argument with someone. Oh, yeah. Like I've been trained on certain things when I was a missionary and I can sure. answer some of the, the low hanging easy ones. But yeah. actually, it terrifies <clears throat> me sometimes. And I have a master's in theology and I'm still scared <laughs> yeah. to get into those kinds of discussions because I think, oh, they're, they're going to realize pretty quick that you're a Broad, yeah, you it's, know? it's not my forte. It's, right? it's okay. It's really to not be my bad forte. at that. Yeah, you know? and and I think it's good to have 
a healthy recognition of our gifts and talents, right? And to have a healthy recognition of things that aren't our gifts or talents, you know? And so if, if that's something that we're not prepared for, that's something good to be aware of that, okay, like I'm not quite ready um, to do that. But I love, I think, well, you had Dr. Hogan on here at one point, right? Just, just all she says, I love Dr. Hogan and just leave it there. Isn't he cool? We just, he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> he's a cool guy. Yeah. My, one of my favorite things that he so often says um, is, you know, the, the best thing we could say is just like the, the listening, like, tell me more, you know, tell me about that. What is that? And I, I think so often that's more the role of the evangelist, you know, the role of the apologist might be, okay, well here it says this, and this is how we know this, this is, you know, and okay, we could do a little bit of that, you know, and I, I would probably hold my own for about five minutes, right? <laughs> and I'd do okay. Um, and I'd be like, go to catholicanswers.com. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say, right. call Dr. Hogan. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, or somebody else, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, exactly. My, my answers are not going to be everything they're searching for, but Jesus is everything they're searching for. And so it's not necessarily about, I, th I think we put a little bit too much emphasis sometimes on um, the fear that the second I go out on mission, I'm going to have to defend the faith, right? And um, probably, right? Because not everybody's going to receive it, you know, that well. But the role of the evangelist isn't necessarily to do that. The role of the evangelist is to share Jesus. <laughs> and to help them have exactly what happened to you, which is a new horizon, a new, a horizon. new decisive direction. So if I can get them hooked on Jesus just a little bit, right? Yeah. If, you know, if I can get them just understand who he really was like, and then that's the thing. I think in our world, we have a lot of false notions of who Jesus is, right? Oh, totally. You know, I think, and one thing I say often too, is that like, we try to make like Jesus and Jesus followers like Ned Flanders on the Simpsons, like this really <laughs> nice, soft man who like, right. who just doesn't seem very authentic or real. And he's more of like a in some ways, like a culture warrior or like yeah. he's like being Christian because it feels like the right thing to do. Sure. Yeah. And that's what we make Jesus into. Right. You know, this really just passive soft, well, Jesus would never, you know. Yeah. And when you read the <laughs> Gospels, that's not the Jesus of the Gospels. Right. Like Jesus is is fierce. You know, I, I love yeah. the line in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis stuff. And they're talking about Aslan, the lion. He's yeah. this image of Christ, right? And the kids are trying to figure out who he is. And they said, well, is he safe? <laughs> Of course, and he said, of course he's not safe, <laughs> right? you know, yeah. but he's good. He's good. Yeah. And he's the uh, king. That, that, I love that that's, part. That's Jesus. Yeah. But he's the yeah. king. Right. He's and, you king. know, and I, and I think that we have these false images of Jesus. We won't let the world tell us who Jesus is instead of going to Jesus and saying, reveal your heart to me. Right. And put your heart in me. And when we do that, like, we can be overwhelmed by the gospel. Yeah. That's the, the Newman, right? The core ad core loquitur, right? The, core, the heart speaks to heart. That's that, that sort of intimate relationship with him. The, I, I, Lord, reveal your heart to me, you know. I love the, the statement on the sacred heart, behold the heart which has so loved man, you know. Um, yeah, it's not, you know, it, it's easy to say this, but it's harder to accept it, I think. We're not in the business of winning arguments. We're in the business of winning souls, you know. Um, if the argument is more important than the person, you've already lost. Right. You know. And so it's sort of one of those things where we need to readjust and we need to see, okay, I don't know, and, and I feel pretty confident in this when I go to prayer myself, I don't feel like the Lord is there trying to disprove me. Right? I don't feel like the Lord is telling me to go disprove others. I think he's telling me, um, like, I'm so happy you're here and here's how I love you, <laughs> right? And that's the and message. let me love you. And let me love you, yeah, right? right? And that's the message we're trying to reveal, you know, the God who is love, Right. Um, we're not trying to 
Um, and not to diminish, like, yes, obvi- obviously he's uh, the way, the truth, and the life as well, right? Um, but to say that we need to be bold and kind um, and to witness to being fully alive. I don't think we need to be so stuck on, oh, well, like, what if? You know, what if they realize I don't know everything I should know, you know? Um, I love the, the, this is a very secular phrase, but like, stop shooting yourself, right? You know, it's not, <laughs> you really can't listen to this podcast with the kids in the car today. <laughs> I'm so you know, sorry. Sorry. No, so sorry. Uh, Should, yes. <laughs> Ought-ing. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a little different, but <laughs> stop shooting yourself. Um, yeah, we get so locked up in this, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should be this way. Maybe I should know this. And I don't know this rather than accepting the reality. I don't know that. But you know what I do know? I know the God who loves me, the God who sought me out, um, the God who is constant in his mercy and rich in mercy um, and who desires such intimacy with me. And I want other people to have that. Right. And I think and this is really where missionary zeal comes back into play, too. Right. Like I want them to have that because I know it's going to heal a wound in their heart today. Yeah. Right now. That God sized hole in their heart. Right. Right. To be a little bit it's going to it's going to help. Again, like you said, there's not there's still speed bumps. Life's mm-hmm. still hard. Right. People are still going to die and suffer. Right. Cancer is still going to be real. Like all these things in life are still going to be hard. Yeah. But we have hope. Right. And and hope is a conviction and understanding that Jesus has won the final victory for us. Yeah. And that whatever happens here is just uh it's just here. Right. And then we have hope in eternal life. So that's that's part of it. And the other part is that that it really matters. Like, so our life now, great, but the eternal hope that, uh, you know, Jesus in Matthew 25, right, he talks about separating the sheep and the goats and that, that we really do believe in, as Catholics that there is heaven and there is hell. And it's not my job to say who's going to which one, right? right. No, no, no. Right? Like, it's not my job to look at someone and say, if... We don't do that. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't, you're going to hell. I actually can't make that yeah. statement. You know, nope. if you don't fill in the blank, nope. you're going to hell. But, but I think the reality is we need to be convicted mm-hmm. as Catholics that Christ has made us an offer of eternal life and mm-hmm. the God who has created us without us is not going to save us without us. Right. That we, I think that's an Augustine I think it's Augustine. Yeah, yeah, good job. Look at that. He just sneaks his way in there sometimes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, he's not going to. Yeah. He's not going to. He, it's a, he created us with this free will to respond, to love him yeah. and be with him forever. And... That, you know, I don't know how many people are in hell. I don't know how many people are in heaven. Like that's not, those are, right. those are other, again, some of those fun theological questions that sure. bother yeah. people or they can be yeah. divisive sometimes. They I don't want to get into all yeah. that. Yeah. I am fundamentally convicted that heaven is real right. and that in order for people to go to heaven, they have to say yes and participate and be, want to be with God. And that yeah. can, again, that can take on many different forms. Right. And it's not, again, I'm not the final judge, but if I don't have a conviction that people need to respond Mm-hmm. in order to experience life in Christ now and forever, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to have a missionary heart, a missionary right. zeal. And, and where does that come from? That comes from an understanding of the bad news too, right? To, to know the good news, to know the gospel, uh, I think this is a Monsignor Shea line uh, from Christendom's Apostolic Mission. Um, to, to be convicted of the good news, we have to be equally convicted of the bad news. Right. right? That there that hell is a reality. That sin is real. And sin is real. I know sin's real because I do it a lot. But yeah. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I have I have yeah. a case study Personal and I've experience. proven it. Yeah. I have proven that yeah. sin is real. And, and that it makes me miserable. Too. Right. And I have found the effects of sin and death. Right. Yeah. And I've lived it. Yeah. Um, it's not fun. 
No. And and so I, I don't think it's a hateful claim to say, somebody said it to me this way one time, like how little do you have to love somebody to say, I desire not hell for you? Or in other words, like, I don't, I don't want hell for you. You know, I believe that these are the, the sort of the two options available to us. Okay, well, I'm going to do everything I can to get you to heaven, you know? Because I love you. Because I love you. And to right? love you is to will the good of another. Right. And your ultimate good is eternal life and with Jesus Christ in heaven. And really, like, how little do you have to love somebody to say that? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> I, right? I, I love you enough to will heaven for you, you know? Absolutely. Like, and, and so then what it comes to, and I think this is what's hard sometimes, like, I have uh, theoretical missionary zeal <laughs> sometimes, right? Like, now obviously, I'm like, I'm passionate, right? And, sure. and so are you. Uh, here we are talking about Jesus and giving our lives and working, awesome, working full time. We have cool jobs. In the church, right? It, it really, like, hashtag blessed. You hashtag know? blessed. Like, yep. really fun. <laughs> and I can sit back in my office sometimes and say, I just wish the whole archdiocese knew about Jesus. Oh, I, just, sure. I just wish that people would want to come to church and, and I can mm -hmm. have a zeal in that way. And that's good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's a lot harder to have zeal for, for people who have wounded us mm -hmm. or for people who I interact with day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So the real like examination of conscience of our missionary zeal is like, is it just unstoppable? Sure. You know, is it is it unquenchable thirst for souls? Absolutely. And um, sharing Christ's thirst on the cross. And when it's not, I have to repent of that. Yeah. And I have to do better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are there are relationships in our lives where that's particularly hard. Yeah. For like, I've you know, I, I don't think he listens, but my my brother and I have had the God conversation many times and usually it ends up in like a fist fight. You <laughs> oh know? my gosh. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't go that's, well. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I know that like, I'm going to pray for him and pray for his conversion. Right. And, um, and it's, and it's good and I should do that. But I also recognize that I'm probably not going to be the one that's going to help him meet Jesus. Just for yeah. whatever reason, we have this brokenness. Yeah. Great. But there are also days where I forget to pray for him yeah. and for his conversion. Uh, and, I, and I forget to pray for the people in my life who maybe have wounded me or I don't, you know, and I see them and I know that yeah. they're hurt and they're broken, they're wounded. Yeah. And I don't do my part and I should. So I, that, that missionary zeal, like, and then again, like, then there's times where I feel really convicted about that. I realize I'm doing a bad job. So it's like it, missionary zeal can be exhausting because you want to, you want everyone to know and experience what you've experienced. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and there should be, guilt's not the right word, but there should be like an examination of conscience, conscience yeah. you know, like the evangelizers examine. Where can like, I do better? Yeah, where can I do better, Lord? <laughs> right. Show me where I have not loved as you would love. And yeah. that's really what it is. And again, we do that also uh, in our service to the poor. Show me right. where I have not loved as you have loved. Right. When I drive by the guy in the street corner with a sign up, do I, do I love him as you've loved him? Yeah. Do I share with him? The, the, the gifts that I have and do I share with them your love? Like we need to be doing that in every area of our life. And I think it's sometimes it's easier to do it in the physical than it is in the spiritual. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, even just the question of Lord, where is it? I don't quite look like you yet. You know, where is, where is it? I don't quite look like you, um, in how I evangelize. Sure. But also just in, in who I am in my heart of hearts. Um, where is it that I don't quite look like you? Um, because really, you know, if we're also to answer this question of evangelization and missionary zeal, um, we never stop living as disciples, right? I had this great interaction one time with a, um, 
you've talked about several focus people on here, I believe, right? Or I'm a fan. You're no, a fan. I was yeah. a missionary. It's near and dear to <laughs> yeah, my heart. No big they're my deal. people. You know, they're my <laughs> shout people. out. Shout out to focus, I guess. We um, haven't done the Benedictine shout out <clears> this, this episode where I try to get in every episode or every other one. I don't so. really have a Benedictine. Well, I mean, like I have friends yeah. from Benedictine. The best people. Slew, are Slew shout out. You know, there you go. We can shout Slew out Slew Catholic Studies. Slew Catholic Studies, all that. Go. Yeah. Slew Theology, all that. Okay, you said something about focus. I distracted you. Yeah, I'm lost. Oh, no. Yeah, I got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Um, for those listening that don't Squirrel. know, I am very ADHD. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so I had this interaction with a, a focus missionary one time, and um, I don't even know his name. I don't, like, I don't remember. <laughs> which You'll is, know it in heaven. I'll know it in heaven, go. which is great. Yeah. Um, but as we were speaking, you know, somebody else was in the conversation too, and they they knew more about him, and so they sort of asked him, you know, what has been the biggest difference, um, you know, between sort of being a, a missionary and then now he was a, a team lead at the, his campus. So what's the difference between being a missionary and being a team lead? And he said, well, you know, as a student, even on a campus that had focus, I was leading Bible studies. But the missionary was pouring into me, you know, discipling me, investing in me. <clears throat> then as a missionary in my first few years, um, I had a team lead who was sort of checking in with me, investing in me, pouring into me. Um, and so I've been like doing this stuff, but there was always somebody there who was the visible sign of God's love to me. And he said, you know, now as a team lead, it's just me. And the Lord is the one who wants to disciple me. Oof. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Powerful, yeah. right? Am I going to let him? <clears throat> Am yeah. I going to let him? Yeah. And so he said. Because it actually takes a lot more work. And, and what he said was, so the, the biggest obstacle for me, the biggest challenge for me has been learning to let him. Because it's a lot easier, I've found, to let other people disciple me. It's been very easy to let other people be the face of Christ to me. But what about when I just let Christ be who he is and let him love me as he desires? Um there's a real smallness that we learn there because we're being discipled by the God of the universe, which is pretty cool, you know? Pretty good teacher. <laughs> pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I think if there's somebody that can teach you about Jesus the best, it's probably Jesus, right? Um, so I think of that story quite a bit where, um, yeah, okay, so there was somebody pouring into me. There was somebody pouring into me. Um, and now I have to learn to do what they did. I have to learn to depend on the Lord himself, uh, and not to say, like, I'm sure he had a life of prayer and sacraments before and all this, right? But to really have that honesty, that humility, and that intimacy with the Lord to say, okay, Lord, like, here are my struggles on mission, right? Here are my struggles w that, that you see and you know, but let me, let me bring them to you, right? Because he's a gentleman and he wants to hear it. Um, and to allow him to say, okay, like, I love you, you know, and here's how I love you, um, there's a, there's a really big difference between, okay, I have somebody that can be a visible image of Christ to me, that can bear his countenance, his face. There's a big difference between that and saying, okay, Lord, here I am, and I'm ready. What, are we, what, what do you want me to learn today? What do you to want to let, teach me? Yeah, to let him be the one to do the work, because yeah. it is literally his heart. And you know, it is. Like, and it doesn't discount you. No. It doesn't discount your gifts and talents and, and who he made you to be. Right. But I am most fully myself when I'm like Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. He made you on purpose. Like you're not some sort of cosmic accident, you know, <laughs> like you were a choice. You are a choice. Um, God's outside of time too. So it's not just like, well, like one second he thought you were a good idea and now he's just he's filled with 40 years of regret. thinking you're a good idea. <laughs> right. You're a constant good idea in the mind of almighty God. So that should mean something, you know. And how can you not respond to that 
than one other people to know the same. Absolutely. Like, I just, I just want them to know right. that You're exact a choice. love. You're a choice. You are loved. Right. I mean, sharing the gospel is just that simple. You are loved. Now, it doesn't always, that's not always enough. Right. Other people have different, you know. But it's a good start. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great, it's a start. great start. I think even Pope Francis starts there in Evangelii Gaudium, right? The joy of the gospel. I think he says at, at, as this, <clears throat> excuse me, as this approach to the kerygma, he says that claim should echo out that Jesus loves you. And that's, that's kind of how he leaves it for a while. That's, that's a pretty good start. <laughs> I think that's maybe where we should leave it too. That's right? Like if you want to have missionary zeal, experience the love of God and let that thirst for souls that Jesus had on the cross, let that echo out in a Christ-like way to absolutely everyone that you meet. Sean, yeah. thanks so much for, for coming yeah, in today. So great much. conversation. This is incredible. Lots of fun. We'll certainly have to do it again. I'd love to come back. We'll talk, we can talk about, you know, you're a musician. We can talk about music. <laughs> oh I think our gosh. outro music today, we're going to, we're going to skip Mary Kate, the regular oh outro gosh. music. We're going to play some Sean Feltz oh here my gosh. on the outro. So check out Sean Feltz wow. on, on Spotify, <laughs> wherever you find your music. Wow. Check it out. Uh, I hope it helps real, you. Pray. Real gift to have you on here. Can yeah. you close us in a prayer? I would love to. Thank you so much. In the name of the Father and the on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of your love for us. Thank you for all the ways that you're constantly reaching out to us, that you're constantly trying to reveal to us this great mystery of your love. As we go forth today, we just ask that you would renew our zeal, that you would give us a new desire to spend time with you, to be intimate with you in prayer and to receive all that love that you have for us. Thank you for the witness of love that you constantly give and for your heart that you give so generously to us. Mary, our mother, give us hearts like yours, which burn with that love from your son, that love for souls. We offer all of this, all that we've said and all that we've asked for through your intercession as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go and make disciples.